Amen. It's so good to be in worship with each and every one of you. Um, some of you might think it kind of strange that there's still some Christmas decorations up and we're singing um, carols and things like that. But, you know, culturally we're so used to that rhythm of, you know, Christmas Day comes and, and it's time to put up all the, the decorations and everything like that. But here in the life of the church, uh, we extend that into the new year um, and appreciate and sort of savor the, the, the truth, the, the beauty, um, the hope that we have in Jesus, God being born among us uh, and his people. And so we give God thanks for that. We continue to celebrate that. And this morning, um, we want to start the new year. We, we recognize that a lot of us are, are maybe thinking about New Year's resolutions, right? Maybe some of you gave up resolutions a long time ago. Uh, maybe you are, are still thinking, what, what can I do this year to better improve or, or progress myself in my life this year? And, and here at Mountain Park, we uh, believe that the most important thing for you to do is to progress in your life of faith as a, as a follower of Jesus Christ. And so, in that regard, we, we really believe that, that as you progress in your life of faith that you will find fulfillment and you'll also experience a transformation, a change in your life. The more that we together learn how to give more and more of our lives to, to God. And so we want to encourage you throughout this year, of course, but especially over the next four weeks, we want to emphasize how God might be calling you to move forward, to take that next step of faith, as it were, uh, with God. And so regardless of whether you are exploring, whether you're starting or you're growing as a follower of Jesus, we believe that the next step of faith always requires an encounter with Jesus. And we actually see this, this idea unfold in our passage this morning. We just sang a carol that kind of hinted at, at what we're going to be reading in just a moment. But it's the story of the wise men. Maybe you've heard of the three kings or the three magi. And we don't really know how many were there. We just know that there were three gifts. And so when we think about the nativity scene and the magi and that sort of thing being next to uh, the, the stall or the stable with the manger and Mary and Joseph. That's where that idea kind of comes from. And, and we're told that these, these three magi, they're in search for something. In fact, they're in search for someone. They're searching for a king of the Jews who has been born. And, and we come to know this, this king as Jesus. And so we will happen, when we read this passage, we'll see what happens uh, to those that encounter Jesus and, and to those that do not. And so as we read together, consider these words. You can follow along uh, on your smartphones. You can follow along on the screens or, or with your Bibles. But we're going to be reading from Matthew's gospel, uh, the second chapter. And it's going to be verses 1 through 2. And it says this. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in the territory of Judea during the rule of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. They asked, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east and, have, and we've come to honor him. When King Herod heard this, he was troubled. And everyone in Jerusalem was troubled with him. He gathered all the chief priests and the legal experts and asked them where the Christ was to be born. They said, in Bethlehem of Judea, 
For this is what the prophet wrote. You, Bethlehem, land of Judah, by no means are you least among the rulers of Judah, because from you will come one who governs, one who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and found out from them the time when the star had first appeared. He, he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search carefully for the child. When you found him, report to me so that I too may go and honor him. When they heard the king, they went. And look, the, the star that they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother. Falling to their knees, they honored him. Then they opened their treasure chest and presented him with the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And because they were warned, warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they, they went back to their own country by another route. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. And everyone said, thanks be to God. And so something kind of came to me as I began to ponder this passage, began to think about well, how to introduce this, this sermon series. And I think a lot of us, even followers of Jesus, we all kind of have this problem that we struggle with. And I, and I think it, it's that this idea that somehow God is far off and, and distant. That God isn't at all interested or involved in my life. And that ultimately we're just waiting around for God to do something. And, and this morning, if that's you or you've struggled with that or are struggling with that, I, I want to try to challenge you this morning and think of it in the opposite way. I, I think that we are the ones that are far off and distant from what God is doing in the world. We're not that involved with God's desire for hope and redemption in the world. And I really think and believe that, that God is waiting for us, the, the followers of God, to follow God and God's desire to, to accomplish this mission. And so what happens is when we begin to think of God in this way as a God that is more distant and abstract, it, it makes us think that God is just passive, right? God is passive rather than active, yet the gospel tells us a different story. God didn't passively come into the world. He actively came into the world. He came in through Jesus, and he, God actively shared in our human experience. He shares what we experience through Jesus Christ. And so through the ministry and the life of Jesus... God was able to, to actively overcome that boundary that, that separated us from God in the per first place. Our desire to sin against God, which, which ultimately left to death. God is the God of life, the author of life. God wants us to, to be uh, in God's presence for eternity. And so God said, there has to be a different way. And so what God did was that he came into the world. And as John 15, 13 says, no one has greater love than to give up one's life for one's friends. Jesus' life and ministry it culminated with this act of love. 
Jesus gave up his life to save our lives. God's active love resulted in redemption. It resulted in a, a restoration of what had been lost between us and God. And so God has always been at work and is already at work in, in the world and also in your life. Even if you might not fully realize what that means, what that looks like. And when we look back at our passage, we, we kind of see this playing out, right? Herod, the supposed king of the Jews, he had been put in, in a place of authority by the Romans. And, and so he learns about Jesus' birth from a third party. He, he wasn't in the know, so to speak. He has to learn from these travelers from the east. And, and the reality is that whether Herod and the religious leaders were aware of it or not, God was already at work. And eventually that news was brought to their attention. And they still didn't choose to go and have an encounter with Jesus. Herod was afraid. Herod didn't want to lose his authority. In fact, he wanted to destroy that which threatened his authority. He had an ulterior motive for having the Magi go and seek after Jesus, this, this child. And so I think what, what happens, what we can learn from this, is that the revelation that something is available to us doesn't mean that we automatically pursue it or attain it, right? If we think about these New Year's resolutions and we think about healthier habits and all these things that we're going to do, we, we know we can do better or we should do better. But the, the simple knowledge of doesn't motivate us necessarily to, to pursue that which will bring us health and wholeness. And I believe this, this same idea is true on the journey of faith, the knowledge that, that Jesus can save us, that Jesus can transform us and transform our lives. It, it doesn't mean that we automatically pursue Jesus or accept it. I know if that were the case, it would make uh, being a follower of Jesus a whole lot easier. But the reality is that we do struggle. We struggle to receive it. We, we struggle to pursue it. I need help. We need help. And the truth is that God is the one that pursues us. Because God knows that we all need help. God has already been at work in the world. God has already been at work in your life to bring you closer to him through his son, Jesus. And, and this is why we celebrate in the church. This is why we celebrate an active God who loves us. God doesn't just abandon us, but rather God reaches in, helps us fulfill the, the true desire of our hearts. And that's to be loved as we are. And, and God wants us to, to be loved. And God wants us to help. Or God wants to help us. And we call God's help in the life of the church, we call that grace. God's help is grace. And grace is something that, that only God can do. And it's something that God gives freely to each and every one of us. And it's up to us whether we want to choose to follow Jesus and receive that help. If we want to receive God's grace. Because despite our best efforts, we, we tend to fail. We do fail. 
And so God doesn't want us to fail. God doesn't want you to fail. God doesn't want me to fail. And so God wants to help us all experience that new life in Christ to find fulfillment. And so in the same way that that God is already at work in our lives, God's grace is also already at work. In the United Methodist Church, we believe that, that God's grace, it comes before anything that we could ever say or do to acknowledge God in our lives, let alone follow God. We, we need help from God throughout the entire process where we, we come to encounter God and come to love God and, and come to change our lives so that we can follow God more closely. And so maybe there's been these nudges in your life, something that, that stands out. Maybe it's an intuition, something. Perhaps you're driving by and on the way to work and you see this church sign and, and for whatever reason, there's nothing special about it, but it just begins to stand out to you for some reason. And you begin to ponder, why, why is that? Maybe your, your friend, your, your neighbor, your coworker, maybe even uh, some family, you begin to pay attention in the way in which they live their lives. And it looks a little bit different. But you see that they are joyful, that they have abundance, that they have peace. And you can't quite place it, but you're curious. And maybe through a conversation, you learn that, that they are a follower of Jesus. There's all these promptings that, can, that are in our lives, whether we realize it or not where God is putting that desire for us to come before him, to know his love for us, and to live in that love. Now, whether you realize it or not, we were praying for you this morning, before you ever got here. This is yet another example of how we as a church, we trust that God is already at work, and we're gonna partner with God in that work. We trust that God's grace is drawing you closer and closer to him. We believe that God brought you here this morning for a reason and a purpose. We believe that every Sunday, right? And it's up to us to decide to choose whether we want to abide in God, have an encounter with Jesus, and have God help us move our faith forward. And so when we look at our passage, we we see two different outcomes in response to what God was already doing, right? There's a, one, there's a desire to, to go and seek after what God was doing through Jesus, this, this birth. And the other is that we don't, right? When we look at Herod and, and the Magi, the Magi were curious. They wanted to know more about th- this king that was to be born, that they had seen this sign and they had followed and, and God led them to this encounter with Jesus and they walked away different people. Right? But then we also have Herod, who, who was given the same news, but he chose to, to live in a different way. He, he sort of chose to like outsource his encounter with Jesus. He had an ulterior motive. He actually wanted to, to kill Jesus. And so he says, hey, yeah, Magi, you go, you go and find this king. And by the way, when you find him, let me know so that I can come and honor him. Right? And we see that he has an ulterior motive. Motive. He, he wants to protect that, that which he thinks he has, that he has authority over, rather than, than submitting to the King Jesus. 
And we see that, right? When the Magi come and they're overcome with joy. And what do they do? They can't help but fall on their knees to honor him. Herod outsourced his encounter with Jesus. He, he said, you know what? I'd rather you go look instead of me coming to experience firsthand what God was doing in the world. You look for Jesus and when you find him, come and, and let me know and I, I promise you I will come. And even though we know that Herod had an ulterior motive, it, it, it gave me pause because I, I think this is what's before us each and every day. We, we have this choice that we can make, right? We can hear the good news, this information about who Jesus is and, and what God promises, but do we want to encounter it or not? And, and our hope is that you would that you would grow in your understanding, that you would grow in the assurance, knowing that you're loved as you are, and God wants you to embrace more and more of that abundant life through Jesus Christ. And so we can't just live our lives passively, remember? We talk about, we think that God is passive, but if God is active, we can't be active as, as God is in the world. We want to partner with what God is doing. We want to join God. And we can't live our lives or live someone, else, someone else's faith, right? I, I'm up here most Sundays, I, I preach. I, I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to pray for you. I'm here to serve you. But at the end of the day, I can't live your life of faith for you. There comes a point, a point where you have to choose to, to enter into that life, to take that next step of faith that, that God is calling to you because you have your own faith story to live, which means you have to be willing to accept God's grace. You have to be willing to accept God's help to take that next step of faith on your faith journey. And so regardless of where you are on this journey, there is a step forward. There's a step forward that where you can pursue what God is leading you to pursue with God's help. God wants to help you grow, right? God wants you to come closer to him. We as a church, as, as Christ's body, but we join together. And we make that promise even in our baptismal vows that we're going to do in a, in a moment that, that yes, we, we welcome, are going to welcome Michaela into the life of this church, but we make a covenant with this family and with Michaela to say, hey, we're going to walk alongside you. We're going to help you grow in, in, into the grace that you are receiving and that you will come to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And so whether you're exploring the life of faith, you, you might be here because you're curious. Maybe you've drove by and, and you want to check things out. Maybe someone actually recommended Mountain Park to you, and we're glad that you're here. Maybe for some of you, your, your, your mom or a family member told you you needed to be here, so you're here. And all that's okay. Let that go and come to experience God's presence and, God, and God's will for you where you are. So, so maybe you're exploring. Others of us maybe have just started our faith journey. Maybe uh, you're already on the path and, and you're excited 
about what this revelation can continue to me- mean for you in your life as it continues to be transformed? What, what do I do with this new sense of freedom, this, this new sense of joy and peace and hope? What will it continue to bring for my life, for my family's life, and, and for my community? We're excited that, that you're here because you're eager to be inspired. And your inspiration helps us to be inspired as well. And for others of us, we're growing on this journey of faith. Maybe you've been on it for a while. And maybe you stopped. Maybe you just needed to pause and rest, right? And that's okay. Maybe you're ready to to give more of your life to God than you've ever given before. And and so you see that that regardless of, of what stage you might find yourself in on this journey of faith, God is already at work. God's grace is already at work. And God wants to give us more. At Mountain Park, our our mission is to connect our community with Jesus. We want them to have an encounter with Jesus so that they can have transformed lives. That's what we believe, that when we truly encounter Jesus with our full selves, God's grace, God's love welcomes us with open arms and it changes how we look at our life it changes how we look at the world and our lives change and so we want to help you in that journey we want you to we want to help connect you with Jesus we want you to form a relationship with Jesus because we believe it will change your life And I think God understands better than we could ever imagine that our deepest desire is to find fulfillment in our lives. And what God is saying is saying, hey, look, follow my son, Jesus. All that you want, all that you will find will be fulfilled when you continually encounter the presence of Jesus. That's why we believe That taking the next step of faith always requires an encounter with Jesus. Again, it doesn't matter whether you're exploring, whether you're starting or growing your faith. Each and every time, the next step takes an encounter with Jesus. And it takes God's grace to help us along the way. Scripture says that ask and you will receive. Search and you will find. Knock and a door will be opened to you, for everyone who asks receives. Whoever seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door is open. And sometimes we misuse this scripture, right? We we might even turn this into a prayer of sorts, where we say, God, I I want this and that. And and that's this searching for for fulfillment, right? We think that, that maybe God, if God gives me th- this new car, that, that I'm going to be more happy. Hey, maybe we need a new car. There's nothing wrong with that. But if we believe that, that we're going to find our fulfillment in, 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 in things of this world, we'll be left empty. And so it's not the act of seeking that's problematic. It's maybe what we think will, will fulfill us. And what what this scripture is doing is encouraging us, is saying, what's behind 
that question? What's behind that desire? What's behind all that you are asking, all that you're giving your life to? And I would bet that the answer is to seeking some sort of fulfillment. And so as you seek, you will find. As you knock, the door will be open because Jesus is at the end of that seeking. And he's also the beginning of our fulfillment. As we seek and we seek and we seek, Jesus is waiting. God's grace is is moving us forward to help us realize this need that we so desperately crave in our lives. Jesus is the end of our searching and the beginning of our fulfillment. Behind every request we have of God is really a desire to know that God is good. That God does, in fact, love us, even when we fail, even when we fall short, even when we resist and rebel against God. God doesn't give up on us. There's a transformation that happens when we realize the love that comes through Jesus, that that came to to save us and, and to transform us for an abundant life. And so that's our prayer. We want you to experience that. This year, every year, every day. And so as we look into the next year, I want to do sort of a, a spiritual discipline with each and every one of you. Uh, my, my wife and I sort of came across this, I think, from friends. Um, and, and I mentioned this last year, and maybe you guys remember this, uh, and maybe want to continue this as a tradition of your own, so to speak. But the, the, the discipline is pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. And it's to ask God to give you one word. What's one word that's going to help lead you deeper and deeper into God's love and into God's presence? What's going to be that, that guiding star, the star that led the, the Magi to encounter Jesus? What's the one word that's going to be your guiding star to, to help you continually encounter Jesus day after day, month after month, throughout 2019? I want you to spend time considering what that might be. But we also want to honor the work that God has already been doing in your life. Whether you realize it or not, maybe this is a chance for you to to sort of accept that, maybe to to name it. And maybe even the courage to, to give God thanks. And so I want to share this post I I saw. It's from uh, a lady named Emily McDowell. And it's called A A Toast to the Old You. So I want us to, to read that real quick. It says, A Toast to the Old You. If you feel inspired to use the new year to help you reset or change habits, great. And yet, the old you has survived every terrible day every hard thing, every awful circumstance, and every heartbreak you've ever felt. The old you is a fighter, and that's worth celebrating. I want you to to accept and and add the the lens of, of God being the one that has helped you, and God is the one that will continue to help you in this life of faith that we share together. Consider that. Consider that one word 
that's going to help you and lead you in 2019. I did some prayer, and, and the one word for, for me for this year, last year, it was discipline. And so I, I interpreted that as being better at, at spiritual disciplines, being better at um, organizing my life in such a way that I can make room for my family, for you, for the, the work that God has called me to. Even still, uh, I, I believe that I too can get caught up in the wrong things, right? Get, getting caught up in the work rather than the people. And, and if you've been with us throughout the, the last year, you, you've heard me confess that, that tendency of, of being more involved in the task rather than the testimony of what God is doing in people's lives. And so I believe that, that I, I, I'm not at all saying, oh, check, discipline, got it completely figured out. But it was a word that was able to be my guiding star in 2018 to help me do what God wanted me to do. And so this year, that word is care. Uh, I, I feel like God has called me to a season where, yes, Tyler, you can do all these things. But just to reinforce what I've really called you to is to care for yourself. Because we cannot give what we don't have. If I'm not feeding myself spiritually, I have nothing to give you spiritually. If I'm not uh, seeking to make myself whole, I cannot help each and every one of you that I'm called uh, to, to lead and to pastor and to shepherd to wholeness, right? And so I wanted to share, share that word with you. And I look forward to maybe seeing on social media, maybe you, you want to share that or, or let me know after worship or in the days and weeks to come. Ponder it. Think about it. Ask God, what is that one word? And this is my final thought. My final thought is this. I think we do this with resolutions, right? But let's do something different, knowing that God wants to help us, right? In resolutions, it's like, I'm going to lose 50 pounds. And all of a sudden, we expect that, that those 50 pounds are going to be lost in the first month, right? When really, it, it's, it's a resolution for the year, right? I did not start seeing the benefits of discipline until like October and November, right? And honestly, it was a great way to help usher in the, the birth of our child and to really appreciate that season for what it was. And so the, the point here is, whatever that word is, embrace it. You're not going to follow it each and every day, and that's okay. God's grace abounds. But let that be your prayer. Allow it to anchor you. Return back to it and try to live as faithfully as you know how into that word that God is calling you to live. It's not about growing leaps and bounds. It's about taking that very next step, right? Sure, God can do break, have breakthrough in our lives, right? We can move leaps and bounds with, with God's help. But whether that, that change comes slowly or suddenly, know that it, it only comes with God and an encounter with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, we give you thanks, God, for, for your love, for your grace, God, for the ways that you pursue us, even when we don't realize it, even when we have no concept of who you are, 
and what you have in store for us. But God, even though our, our desire is to move leaps and bounds, God, you truly know how to help us most. And so in this season, God, this Sunday, the next four weeks, this next year, God, speak clearly to us. Allow us to have a, a conversation and a dialogue with one another and encourage each other. Share those one words. God, maybe it might inspire some of us that are struggling to hear your voice. But God, that we can begin to hold each other accountable. God, as we seek to take that next step of faith and to move forward. God, may it be so. God, may we encounter your presence each and every day. And God, we give you thanks for your son, Jesus. We pray all this in his name. And everyone said, amen.